Full 10 Yards Podcast. Welcome in, everyone. This is the Full 10 Yards Podcast, where we all know by now every yard counts. If you're tuning into this podcast, it's because you love Britball. And good news for you listeners out there, we all love Britball as well. And we're going to be ramping up our Britball coverage over the coming weeks and months. Uh, this is our second Britball podcast, so go and check out our first one where we spoke to uh, Manchester Titans QB, Sam Bloomfield, chatting about their aspirations, obviously, and their most recent uh, victory over the Tamworth Phoenix. However, joining us on today's podcast is the debut snap for Thomas Robry, our Britball chief. Thomas, welcome you on. Hello, thank you for having me on. <laughs> been, a, been a while, but we've, uh, we've actually managed to tie you down and, and, and get you on the podcast uh, as well. Yeah, finally. It's been a while, but, you know, good to be on for a first chance, and hopefully I don't mess it up. <laughs> yeah, you're on, you're, you're on a, you're on a one-game one game loan. Um, right, let's get to it. Today's guest. Uh, first to say, uh, this is one of the more illustrious teams on the Britball scene uh, for UK-American football fanatics out there. There are some, uh, believe, believe you me. Uh, this team was formed in 1985 and got the name Pirates through a local newspaper competition to name the team. Uh, within the first year, they merged with the Rother Glen Ironhogs in 1986, won their first ever kitted game against the Clydesdale Colts. Lots of uh, lots of facts we're throwing at you here. Uh, since then, enjoyed multiple periods of dominance in the game, and it's time to introduce the guy in charge of trying to establish the next period, the next period uh, of dominance, and that's Coach Jamie McLaughlin. Jamie, welcome you in. Yeah, thanks very much, guys. Thanks for having me on. Uh, yeah, absolute pleasure to I say I've had the pleasure of meeting you as well and being part of some of your training sessions. Uh, good, some good stuff, no, no doubt going on there. But we'll we'll get to the, the team shortly. Uh, but what uh, what got you yourself into uh, American football? So, um, funnily enough, it was actually uh, when I was much much younger, um, maybe about seven or eight years old. I was a, a huge fan of, of just regular soccer ball and um, whatever your your choice of uh, name for that is. <laughs> and uh, my aunt. Um, lived in America. She lived near Boston, or actually in Boston at the time. Um, and I used to go across there, and I'd be like, "Oh, you know, how many channels do you have on the TV?" Thirty. And then I say, "Oh, there must be football in one of these." <laughs> um, and the sort of natural progression from there was that since America didn't watch uh, UK or what the UK would call football, what the rest of the world calls football, I had to find something else. And the other sport that was on was American football. So um, I sort of got into it at a very young age from watching it while I was over there. Um, and then as, as sort of time went on, the internet and, and all those things um, came about. And I was able to watch it online. And the NFL website was always good for highlights and things like that. So, yeah, I just sort of took it from there. Yeah. So let's do, let's do let's do a little uh, whistle stop tour then of uh, Jamie McLaughlin's uh, life within in American football. So did you play a lot when you were young as well? <laughs> well, I, I played a lot. Um, I don't know if I'd, I'd quite say young. I started the sport when I was twenty. Um, uh, I started for the played for the Pirates. I actually started at university, but I didn't really. Um, I wasn't sort of taking it all that seriously back then. Um, and then after a couple of months, uh, I joined the Pirates as a a receiver, and from there, that sort of everything's flourished. That was two thousand and eight. So yeah, yeah. I say if, if starting at twenty is late, God knows what starting at 30, 34 like myself is is like. But there we go. Um, yeah, yeah. I know. It's only I compare myself to our junior players ah, yeah. uh, these days. We're all starting at thirteen and fourteen, and, and they've got the experience that you had when you started. Yeah. Except, um, you know, they've. Maybe eight years back. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, very much ruined my uh, my late uh, blossoming to to American football, shall we say? But uh, there we go. Um, so yeah, obviously you're head coach of uh, the the Pirates now. So do you want to maybe talk about why you wanted to get into coaching, what drew you to coaching, and how you got to 
uh, to be head coach of, of e- EKP. Yeah, so, well, I mean, funny you should say that. I actually, as I say, I played receiver for years um, and I loved playing. There was no doubt about that. Um, it was sort of the guise of how I played changed over the years. It was a really much, much skinnier guy back in the early days. Um, definitely, dare I say, contact shy, uh, but a lot quicker. Um, and then as time moved on, Sort of add add the weight, add the muscle. I stayed at receiver. I managed to stave off the the claims of moving to tight end or even O line, but um, <laughs> by a number of extreme weight loss methods. But um, eventually, I sort of I had gone and coached at a local university team, and really, to be honest with you, didn't enjoy it. Um, and I thought, now nah, coaching's never going to be for me. And I sort of looked at all the other avenues, um, even actually podcasting. I, uh, genuinely took an interest in that for a while. Thought I might do that after the sport. Mm. Um, and in the 2012, we set up the Hampton Buccaneers youth team, which yeah. was under 17 at the time. Um, and I set up largely because I thought, well, I'll, set, I'll get this set up and then we'll get a coach in place and let it go. But I, I can't actually explain just how um, how much fun it is coaching that younger age group. They're they're a group of those kids will have their own personal hype train. Um, they will copy everything they see at any level, NFL, all the way down to any point, any level in Britball. And it's um, oh, it's just the, the energy and the fun aspect of it is really, really magnified there. So that's kind of what got me into it. Um, and then in 2016, I sort of doubled up. So I was playing, that was my last season. Um, but I was receivers coach with the juniors. I'd been coaching at the youth for about five years at that point. I was receivers coach for the juniors. And then when I retired in 2016, at the end of 2016, um, Matt Davies, I'm sure has been on your show before, uh, he asked me to be OC at the juniors, uh, which I did um, fairly successfully uh, for a year. And then as the second year was beginning, uh, we, we went down our first game against Birmingham, who were largely touted as um, being a, a potential challenger for the title. We went down there, had a really good game against them. And the following day, um, I ended up be, becoming senior head coach. That would have been 2018. So, yeah, I've been doing that for, for just over a year now. Very good. Yeah, very good indeed. And uh, just before we get into kind of the crux of what's going on at the moment with uh, East Kilbride, if they were, if they if East Kilbride were an American football team, who would they who would their comp be? <laughs> That's a really good question. Um, I mean, the, the, I mean, the, the I, obvious so, one is you know, the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, isn't it? My mind, my mind immediately goes to um, my mind immediately goes to to sort of my era when I was playing, and I think the comparison would have to be more recently. I hate myself even saying this, but I'd say <laughs> probably the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, there's um, nothing wrong with that. And I, I say that, and no, no, there's there's not. But um, looking at the Pirates, I mean, the Pirates haven't won Brit Bowl, so it's it's hard to sort of recognise that the Cowboys won a lot of Super Bowls, yeah. but that was before my time. Um, I think it's hard to comp against a, a proven winner, um, but we did win a lot um, to, to a ridiculous level, in fact. So... Yeah, I'd, I'd say definitely a team that's got a lot of history of success, but not quite managed that final hurdle. And of course, the the, the obvious comparison would be uh, with Pirates would be Buccaneers to Tampa Bay. Was uh, I wondered if you'd go Tampa Bay there, but uh, but uh, there, there we well, go. Well, you know, I, I actually thought about it because of the Navens thing. I was I was trying to think of uh, pirate comparable teams. I thought <laughs> the Vikings as well. I was like, are Vikings Pirates? Do that count? I don't know. <laughs> And speaking of uh, like Buccaneers and Pirates, obviously you have a youth team 
um, which a lot of teams across Britball don't currently have. Like, what do you think is like the importance of having a youth team that feeds into your senior club? And obviously, you went from coaching there to now coaching the seniors. Like, how important is it for growing the EK Pirates? I can't. There's nothing I'm going to be able to say on this show that will overstate that. Um, it is incredibly so. I think it's entirely possible. I'm not saying for certain, but it's entirely possible that the EK Pirates wouldn't be here this year without the youth and junior program. Um, and that's an enormous. When you you know you look at we've, we've had a little bit of success this year, which is great, but it's incredible how much it's not not necessarily just the players coming in and making plays, which we've had plenty of. You know, really successful uh, season from a lot of our our first, second year players, third year players that have come up for the junior program, but it also means that our veteran players, who you know, are, a whole load of them in their own right, and um, perfectly capable of going out and winning games, you just get that depth behind them as well. So it's, in terms of pure numbers, you aren't then relying on the same guys to bail you out of situations. Those guys then don't get as injured. Um, if guys are a little bit fresher, then they're playing better to the end of games. You get better performance out of them. Um, so it's not just necessarily you know seeing those players come up and going, oh, look, that guy that came from junior, he got 10 touchdowns. It's a lot more about, as a team, they help you function in a much more appropriate way for, for the long season. Um, because I think that's one of the challenges that you have in Britball is you're not paying anyone. Um, so when guys get hurt, guys get banged up, you do tend to have a little bit of a drop-off. Um, and the juniors are... You know, without the juniors, the team would be in a very thin position. Yeah. And a follow-up question I would have is: um, obviously, you started your coaching as a youth team coach, and then went into seniors. Would you recommend that route for anybody that wanted to get into coaching? Like, start as a youth um, and then build way up. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I would. Um, I think it's it's funny. I, I go back to what I talked about the the how much fun it is it's amazing fun coaching youth um and that was one thing it was the immediate obvious thing that i thought when i started coaching it because we had at that point we'd had a lot of success we were sort of in the the, the middle of that kings of the north era where basically if if you weren't in london you weren't getting a win against us um and and we sort of were running through season after season but it become very um is militant maybe the word it, it was it was very much a process of we are going to work hard, we are going to get to the, the place that we need to be um, and we're going to take on the best teams and there was definitely an element of it that it sort of left the fun behind. It's not to say we were you know, going out and not having fun but it, when you stop and you look at these kids at 14 years old and they're running about just inventing nicknames for themselves based on NFL players, you, you realise that they are having fun, that's all they're doing. And it's all they're interested in, and that's brilliant at that age. You want to get people involved in the sport and get things kicked off. And I think that's one of the things that's best about it is if you're playing and you're trying to take it seriously and take it to a good level, not only is it really good to get on and sort of learn your coaching chops, but on top of that, it's a great laugh. It, it really is. Just an extension of that, uh, Jamie. Uh, obviously, the NFL Academy stuff is, is, is still going around, and that's all that's all kind of kicked into full swing. Do you think that that maybe they're targeting people a bit too late? Do they need to go a bit younger, or yeah, what do you what do you make of the academy in general? Um, I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, not letting the great get in the way of the good. So it, when when you see these things pop up, um, what they're targeting to me at the moment, what they're targeting to me is detail that we don't necessarily need to worry about um the fact that they're in the fact that we're in schools the fact that we're doing you know jitag and all these the nfl academy all this stuff 
um, is is excellent. Um, you, you don't want to nullify that or, or try and overcomplicate it at the start. Um, and especially with the NFL, you know, as a sport, it is still a minority sport in the UK, so it's yeah. it's very much about finding finding success and then building on that. Um, because I would love it to be, you know, a primary sport for people, and it's very quickly people are no longer completely oblivious to it. There's very, if I remember back in 2008 when I first started, or even before when I was a fan, you see American football, and people go, oh, "Is that rugby?" Um, whereas now it's you get a lot more of the, "Oh, yeah." So my friend, he supports the Dallas Cowboys, and they, they know what it is, and it's that awareness and that love for the game that's growing. So yeah, it's it's great. Are there ways for them to improve? You know how early they get in and how how the development of the game goes over here. Definitely, um, there always are, no matter how good you are. But yeah, like, at the moment, I think it's just good that we're getting in and doing these things. Yeah, I suppose it's good. It's good that you know people that are following Dallas uh, will probably already uh, open to the fact that they're going to get ridiculed. So it just shows you how long, how far we've uh, how, how far we've come along. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, myself included. Um, you, you mentioned there, obviously, Jag Tag, uh, Jamie. Obviously, that's a, a, a big partnership that you've, you, the Pirates have struck up recently. We'll, we'll get to that very shortly as well. But that, obviously, that's the branch of kind of the extracurricular stuff in terms of investment. And you're saying, obviously, we don't pay players and all the rest of it yet uh, in in this country. But how... Uh, we mentioned about the, the feeding through from the youth team to, to, the, to the full contact team being important as well. But how, how much... Uh, you know, another another um, hurdle, if you like, for for people is the cost of the sport, and you know, some teams it varies from from team to team. How how important is the stuff like Jag Tag and other the other other sponsors that you've got as well, which you, you might want to tell uh, tell the listeners as well, just as a bit of a plug. But how how important is that that stuff to to keep you you boys going as well? Yeah, it, it's enormous. So, I think. Um, it, I think firstly, it would be remiss of me not to mention among we we're really lucky at the Pirates. We've got um, the ever um, the ever present Amanda McDonald, who's just a, an absolute uh, phenom of all of the back office stuff that goes on. So so we're really lucky that Amanda's there. And with things like you know the opportunities we've had with the Jacksonville Jaguars or um, sponsorship and and basically everything that isn't coaching or playing comes up and um, we've got Amanda to, to totally take over and, and run that as well as it really can possibly be run um, all these opportunities like the Jag Tag stuff's amazing and it remains to be seen what the output of that is I think we're kind of hopeful that you know doing that in the area will help drive our youth teams and, and drive that in and that almost be a first step to getting people involved and you know, we don't nearly have the the plentiful resources of the Jacksonville Jaguars, but it's really, really good to see this stuff come along. And it, I think it's testament to all the work that Amanda's done, building up the brand, building up the club, building up, you know, our social media following and, and all of those things, which are all in a really good place and, and not just in a good place, but have been for a long time now. Yeah. Um, we were, you know, our Facebook page for the East Coast Bride Pirates um, was one of the, the first, I think, to get to a thousand followers maybe it, it was certainly it was in the race so um, we were in early and it's been consistently of a high standard for a while um, so we've been really really lucky about that and I think now we've got um, a heap of other sponsors I'm worried that I'll, I'll miss people out here but I know on point financial they're doing uh, our game day sponsorships um, for our MVP so that's that's really good and I know committee rooms number nine um, we had our Super Bowl night there which was an absolutely phenomenal night um, and we've also got a whole bunch of uh, travelling tees for game day so um, the, the team look less dishevelled um, 
<laughs> hopefully a good thing when you step off the bus, you actually look a bit more like a professional outfit and a bit less like you've just slept for four hours in your joggies. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. And I say, being being um, privileged to, to join you guys for for a couple of weeks doing training, I say I, I understand uh, the, the kind of the culture and the you know the kind of importance you place on you know brand and all that kind of stuff as well. So it's no it's no surprise that you've got people like you know uh, I think when I was around you had Labrooks or Labrooks Coral coming down for a week and doing some sponsorship right. stuff on there. So um, yeah, it's not it's not a surprise that they're coming down to 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 kind of lap at your feet and ask for the opportunities. So. Um, Okay, let's that's just... all on a man. I take any credit for that. That's that's definitely her, uh, oh, her yeah. efforts paying off. Yeah, absolutely. No, I say I've I've been privileged to meet Amanda as well. So um, yeah, I can certainly attest to that. But obviously, it's not been uh, it's not been full uh, uh, roses uh, in the garden for the Pirates. If we if we just go back to obviously last season, uh, things um, were the opposite end, I suppose. The Cleveland Browns kind of season, I suppose. But yeah, not uh, zero and ten. Uh, not really what anyone wants to go through as a team. But what's uh, maybe just want to give a bit of insight into how why that happens? Because they, you know, East Kilbride are, are synonymous with with dominance and and high performance. What kind of went wrong last season? So I think the beginning of this it actually is it's funny because we've already talked about it. We look to start the youth and junior program. In fact, let's go even further back than that. So the Pirates' um, last run of, I guess, sustained success came uh, between 2009 um, and 2014. We, we took a voluntary drop to Division One because of all sorts of internal league stuff that I won't go into. But essentially, the travel costs were going to be um, going to run us out of business. So between that period and then get back up to the Prem in 2011 and then uh, repeatedly sort of go toe-to-toe with the Blitz uh, through that period, we had or we were sustained by a bunch of guys who had played youth and junior football. And those guys um, hadn't played for any Pirates youth or junior team. They played for other teams. And the Pirates being the highest level around, if you wanted to play at the highest level, quite often what you did was you just went to the Pirates. So we benefited a lot from that. And that was spotted by Matt Davies, who's our, our current junior head coach. Um, and so in 2010, we started up our own youth team thinking, OK, this is, we'll start feeding through, we'll get the players up to senior and that'll be that. And we'll, you know, breed the next level. Fast forward, uh, I guess, eight years to 2018. I can't emphasise enough just how long it takes to grow a senior team out of a successful youth and junior setup. It's not quite as simple as all of these kids turn up at 14 and then when they get to 19, they're good to go. You get drop-off and you get, you know, things that you've failed at and you lose players and this, that and the next thing. And I think a combination of that um, process just taking too long and us not having the same throughput. And then also, I would say, just a lack of focus on development. When we got to the, the level where... You know, we were playing at a pretty high level. One of the problems that we had was there was a lot of focus on things that are problems at high level. Um, and so when people are, are coming in brand new, you don't necessarily have twice the in, like time in individual drills and time in coaching to coach the new guys on what they need to know and coach the higher level guys on what they need to know. Yeah. Um, so I think a combination of that and the fact that we had no real feed of new talent through the 2010 to 20, uh, I would say probably started falling apart 2015. Um, that period was where it, we fell apart and it was just as guys started to retire, really talented players um, that we had on the team, it just started to get thin. 
um, and then you end up owing 10 because until you make the decision as things are going down, you're going to put the effort into development and put the effort into um, coaching your players because that's all coaching is. It's just teaching. You just teach people to get better. So I think until the, the decision is taken for you to go back and do that, no matter you know what the cost is because it's only going to get worse, mm. we just let it go too far. And so you end up owing 10 instead of you know, four and six or something like that because you still have some some talent left to hold you up while you're teaching these new guys. I think that's where we fell over. It was somewhere in there. Um, how did the players react? Because obviously you lose 10 games on a bounce and there's obviously games in there that you probably should have and could have won. Like, how did the players react going through 10 straight losses? Because I, I can't imagine it's particularly fun for anybody. No, no. Um, you would be right uh, imagining that. Um, yeah, it, it was difficult. Like I, I would, you know, I wouldn't sit here and say, "Oh, you know, everything was was rosy." And I know we were losing, but we kept our heads and spirits up. There were definitely times where it did get pretty grim. Um, you know, guys start just bickering at each other because it's really because everyone wants to win, and when you're not winning, it's hard to sort of explain that when you're putting a lot of effort in. Yeah. And so people start to, it's not even sniping, it wasn't that there was any serious fallout, but just it's hard to maintain positivity. Yeah. Um, what I would say is that historically in Britball, there's been a lot of examples of, you know, teams when they see things are on the down, they see that the, where the arrow's pointing. Um, and in particular, when we got to 0-9, we were in one of those positions. Um, and I've seen a lot of teams in the past you know, last game, can it, you know, player safety and all these things. Um, and so the games don't get played. Our last game was three weeks after our second last game. We were guaranteed that we were going down and we had to go play Tamworth Phoenix at the time with the reigning British champions. Yeah. Um, and we actually, we took not even as thin a squad as I might have imagined that we took down. We took down a, a squad of core guys who were just clearly committed to the very end. And I think that was valuable for us because this year, you know, looking at it, those guys are, are still very much at the core of what we do. They're, they're some of our best players in a lot of instances, and it's nice. It's nice to know that you know the worst possible season happens, and those guys are still bleeding black, white, and red. So, um, yeah, it's, it's absolutely ace uh, that coming out of it, even if the own ten part was absolute dross. And um, because believe me, that was no way fun. No, I'd imagine. But however. You've done somewhat right because obviously you're now seven and zero and top of the NFC one North. Um, what did you do to get morale back? And was it just like an influx of new players, or was there something you did specifically that helped the team? Because obviously you're crushing it right now. Um, it's it's easy. Well, I know what we tried to do. Whether that's the reason uh, things went back up or not is another question. But um, we. A lot of the stuff that we put in, even so, I, I, we were zero three when I, I started uh, last season, um, and I felt like some of the opportunities in the first three games were some of the best that we'd have. So uh, I think Sheffield and Edinburgh came above us in the table, and the zero three was against two against Sheffield and one against Edinburgh. So uh, Manchester and Merseyside and Tamworth uh, inbound, um, it was looking like a pretty tough prospect. But a lot of what we did was just. Focusing on ourselves, um, I think we'd almost got away from that a little bit. Certainly from you know what I remember as a player and things. Um, almost, 
I'm not saying it was a total blame culture, but there were certainly bits and pieces of that um, around guys and all officials making this call and, you know, oh, this player's cheating like this. And, you know, the same thing that you usually get was just that that was, those were becoming the reasons for why things were going wrong. And, of course, th- those are never the reasons. If things are going wrong, that's something you have to take control of yourself. Um, and even if, you know, these things are happening, it's not just a case of, oh, but it's happening because of this. Okay, we'll find a way. That's so. That's what we tried to instill is firstly a bit of that sort of mentality, guys, finding a way to make things right. Um, and then I would say the second thing is just um, getting getting all our coaches on board. Um, and I've been really lucky that we've got some some really really capable coaches. Um, but getting guys on board so that we're focusing on fundamentals, focusing on things that that historically over a long time have made teams good at football. The simple basics like tackling, like blocking, that frankly we just weren't good at at all um, the previous year. We focused a lot on that the pre-season and then just try to put people in a position to win. And if, if you focus on making people better, you focus on setting up the right culture and you focus on putting people in a position to win, then it, you should, you should that, that process puts you in a position where the games win themselves. You don't worry too much about the game, you worry about what you did in the pre-season and what you're doing in the gym and all that sort of thing. Yeah, no, very nice. Are you surprised you're 7-0? Uh, surprise an interesting word. I don't know whether I could say yes or no. I, I'm, um, I'm not surprised based on the talent I thought we had because I thought the players and the capability of those players was definitely capable of going 10-0 and winning Division 1. Um, I think it was just having seen what Owen Ten looks like. You wonder if the sun will ever shine again. Yeah, no, and I think I think that's probably more I was trying to get out. Yeah, because obviously you can have the hangover. You can have you know after losing ten games, you do wonder where the next win's coming from. So I suppose it's more about yeah. the the ability to to immediately turn that back on its head and uh, and rectify it and you know have a zero in a, in a different in the L column rather than the uh, W one. Yeah, I think I think that's um, it, it's sort of. You know, goes back to what I was getting at. As we went down to Tamworth, and people people played, people played hard. It wasn't a give up. Yeah. And t- I mean, they built up in daylight. So it was a kind of score sixty something to nothing. I mean, it was an absolute kicking. But guys were going out, and they were still fighting. Yeah. And I think it's one thing that I tell our guys all the time is the only thing as a coach you can't control is effort. So effort. If the players are putting effort in, then it's on us as coaches to make them successful. We've got to put them in a position to be successful. We've got to teach them what they need to know. We've got to make sure that they fully understand all the things. They've got all those capabilities, all that sort of thing. But the effort is the one thing that you can't control um, as a coach. And in that game, there was loads and loads of effort. Guys were literally throwing themselves at the last game of the season, despite it not mattering. So from that perspective, I think that was one of the things that gave me confidence going into the following year. Because if, if you can do that in the last game, and then you get a whole off-season to, to recover and work in the gym and put the right things in place, then I'm feeling pretty good come mm-hmm. April when the new season starts. Um, and I think that was probably where I was. It wasn't a surprise that we were um, in a good position at this stage. Yeah. I would just say it was you're trusting in a process and you're kind of hoping. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And you look, look to extend that on Sunday when you uh, when you welcome the Aberdeen Roughnecks, obviously beat them week one as well. But a nice Scottish uh, derby to whet the appetite. Yeah, definitely. And and um, I've been chatting to Bryce, uh, the the head coach at Aberdeen. He's a he's a great guy. Um, we, we were chatting at the game, and, and I've chatted a bit afterwards. Um, so it'll be good fun, no doubt. Um, they, I have to say, Aberdeen 
quite often you see that whole, oh, you know, they're just up from Division 2 and, and th- there's always that expectation that Division 2 say, how are they ever going to fare in Division 1? I can tell you they gave us one hell of a shock in that first game because their defence was, yeah. was absolutely excellent. I can't honestly say enough about... Um, yeah, I look at the Prem from the previous season and I, I honestly, genuinely believe they're comparable to some of the defences that we saw in the Prem, which yeah, yeah. is incredible for a team that just came up from Div 1. So, yeah, really, uh, from Div 2, sorry. So, really, really excited um, for that game. That's going to be, it's going to be good fun. It's going to be good to get them down um, and, and yeah, get a, a high level of football because that's what I always like to see. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, playoffs, playoffs not too far away. No, no, and we're guaranteed now. This was pointed out to me. So, um, being seven and zero, that uh, does two things. Firstly, it finally claws me back to five hundred as a head coach. <laughs> so that that's good. Um, also, guarantee this playoff football um, because I think uh, the third place teams maybe Glasgow, and I think they were three and three at the time. Um, and because we beat them twice, uh, we held the tiebreaker. So it was essentially a, a guarantee that we we're in the playoffs. So that was great. But yeah. Uh, they're coming. They're coming in quick, and it, uh, it all comes down to this Northumberland game at the end of the season to decide whether um, it looks like Sandwell are going to be the number one. So whether we get that home playoff game or whether we'll be headed to Sandwell uh, in the, the quarter final stage. Hmm. Yep. Um, is there anybody you fear going into the playoffs? That obviously a lot's left to be decided. But is there anybody you look at and think we don't want to play them? No. Not really. I mean, I love it. The, the thing is, is um, so I, I always just try and focus on our guys. I, I spend as much time, you know, watching what we are doing and, and try to think of. I spend a lot of time trying to think of situations or things people could do um, that would would disrupt us a little bit of self scout. And and one of the things that I always come back to, I think, for where we are in our development is we have a lot of really talented guys. And I was, you know, blessed to be part of the the previous uh, situation when we had a lot of really talented guys, and that talent translated into ability, and we ended up going in a big run of seasons where uh, we won plenty of games. And really, that's kind of where I think we are just now. Is we have a lot of talent, and I think as coaches, our job has to be to get them to be as consistent as possible. So I think that's the battle that we're fighting just now. Is um, you know, we, we can have games where I really feel, I think the first Glasgow game, we really felt like we went out and, and execution was really high. Um, but I would say in a lot of games this year, we've actually gone out and execution has been patchy. When it looks good, it looks really good. Um, but we have that inconsistency that comes with, with inexperience in youth. Um and it's not every player and every player is different with different performances across the board, but that's kind of where I think we are. So I think when we play well, I honestly don't think anybody can stop us. Um, but it's it's that trick of, you know, how do you get how do you get um, everybody to be firing all cylinders every single week? And that goes for coaches as well. I mean, I've I've committed some of the the worst crimes of energy on our offense um, <laughs> over the first seven weeks. So. Uh, so yeah, we just need to keep working and keep grafting, and hopefully, the long term view is that you know not this season, not next season, um, but down the line we have a really strong, well stocked, very talented team that are that consistent, and that's a very dangerous thing. Right. 
And uh, I suppose if things things could work out this season, they could play out. You'd be the the highest, obviously, the highest placed uh, Scottish team, obviously, with Edinburgh uh, staring down the barrel there in in the Prem North. Do you, do you do you want Edinburgh to stay in the in the Prem so you can get another uh, another Scottish derby in a couple of those next year, or is it dog eat dog? <laughs> is that, the, that the, this is the this is the question to trick me, isn't it? Trick me into <laughs> saying something. Um, no, it, so it, I guess um, obviously last year we. There was a big sort of rivalry with Edinburgh. Yeah. I'll be honest; I couldn't care less. I, I don't. Whoever we get to face, we get to face. Yeah. Um, and it sort of happened this year. There was a lot of people, a lot of uh, sort of discussion around the Tigers games and the local rivalry and all that sort of thing. And I, I genuinely, um, I think, when you spend time looking and and obviously, you know, I, I I love I love these situations. I love playing these teams, um, but. Whether they're in the Prem, um, whether they're in Div One, I'll I'll worry about it when they're yeah. the next Sunday up. And I know that's probably not the answer you're looking for. No, no, but, no, um, no. but it's anyway, it's how we try. It's how we try and focus things. Yeah. We just want to see the next team that we have yeah. to play, and then we'll go and worry about them, and we'll, we'll grow. Yeah, no, it's just obviously on, on some of the social media. Well, I think it's on Twitter where you know you've obviously you've, your tagline is kind of Scot- Scot- uh, Scotland's best American football team, and I just wonder if that's like a, a kind of an in joke with all the guys in Scotland. Obviously, I don't know how that works. But obviously, it's just more of a, a case of the, this is what we think we are, and this is what we're going to be, kind of uh, aspiration, I suppose. Yeah, so, so uh, club, I think, is the, the distinction. Yeah, there. sorry, yes, so, yeah, my bad. Uh, so. Yeah, you're absolutely right, and, and none of our um, none of our tags should say team. So if you see it, let us know. Yeah, would probably it might, a, it might be just my favourite. Uh, but, um, but yeah, no. So yeah, I get that. That um, that did drive some something. I think when you look at the Pirates Club as a whole, so we've got the two junior teams. Um, I don't Edinburgh don't have a junior team at the moment. We've got the uh, sorry, two youth teams. Uh, we'll get the junior team. So our youth teams, I think, have won two of the last five Brit Bowls. I, I can't remember exactly, but yeah. we've, we've won and been in uh, the finals of the youth Brit Bowl um, repeatedly. The junior team won the plate last year and attended the previous two Brit Bowl finals. Um, and this season they're undefeated. So I think they probably lay a strong claim to being, they're definitely Scotland's uh, number one uh, junior team. But they're they're pretty close uh, as far as the UK goes, and then we've got the senior team, and not to forget the ladies teams as well, uh, both flag and, and kitted. So I think in terms of the whole club structure, yeah. um, I honestly don't think anybody can honestly make a claim that they've got a, a better club structure than the Pirates have. Nah. Um, certainly not in Scotland. I know there's there's some guys down south who really well run clubs, um, but I feel like up here we are we're definitely Scotland's number one. No, certainly, certainly tend to agree. Okay, we'll uh, get a couple more before we let you go. So it's uh, over over half hour, and it's uh, Friday night. We have things to do. Uh, what's your what's your, <laughs> your <laughs> what's your your proudest moment as a coach in your in your short coaching career? Oh, uh, I would have to say um, it would be the final of the two thousand seventeen Junior Britball. Um, we we lost 46-42 to the London Blitz in a, a junior games are forty minutes long, so you can imagine the absolute score fest that that was. <laughs> um, and I felt like offensively, um, we just did a really good job, coach. We did a really good job executing, and I, I just felt like um, like what we tried to achieve that year all came together at the end. So I was really really proud of that, and I'd encourage anyone to go look at the the highlights online because that's one of the most amazing games of American football I've ever been involved in. 
And last one for me. Have you, do you have any other uh, aspirations away from uh, yeah, the the pirates? Is there any other like, maybe projects you want to take on? Are you are you happy for you know for for the foreseeable future with, with the pirates? Is there any personal goals that you still have to to tick off your box? Um, I don't think personally anything. No, I, I would really love to see the sport in the UK grow um, and maybe put together you know a, a elite um, sort of premiership. Uh, whether that includes or doesn't include the pirate, I'd obviously love it too. But um, I think we need sort of the elite premiership to start focusing and generating a better product. Right. Um, and then after that, you know, start, look at models like the GFL or the EFL and all these places um, and try and copy it. Because at the moment we're just sort of floundering because we can't seem to decide whether participation or performance yeah. is the the key goal. And I think there's probably room for both, but we need to we need to take it seriously as a league. I absolutely agree with that. Tom, anything left from you? Uh, yeah, I've got one last question. Um, what would you? What advice would you give to anybody who wants to get into American football that's never, you know, tried it before or is thinking they might give it a go? Um, I'd say I'd say go along um, to any club and and obviously just try it out. Um, and I'd also say. Um, try and get involved in all this stuff that isn't playing. And I know, you know, guys all have lives and, and it is, you know, for some people it's just a hobby that they like to turn up to. But the, the thing that probably holds a lot of this league and a lot of this sport back is um, just a lack of, of volunteers to do other things like we have Amanda, who's amazing, but um, a lot of other clubs could really do with Amanda McDonald. So if, if you're turning up to play, do everything you can in the back room to make your club as good as it can be because I think the league would be a lot better if all our clubs acted like that. Yeah, yeah, quite a lot of teams do struggle with that backhand. If you, if you franchise tag Demanda then? I've, uh, sorry? If you franchise tag Demanda for, for the next couple of years? Yeah, Amanda McDonald is going absolutely nowhere regardless <laughs> of what our choices <laughs> Very good. No, she's, a, she's a good lass. Uh, okay, anything left for you, Tom? Uh, no, I'm I'm out of questions. It's been great to no. talk to you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I really enjoyed. I uh, say my couple of weeks there with the Pirates and say Jamie. Uh, really, I can. All, whenever I was down there, I could always see the the, uh, the inner child of you fighting to get out and go and play uh, on the field. <laughs> so I'm sure I'm sure you're gutted. You're you're retired, but uh, I'm I'm hoping that the coaching fills the void. Yeah, me too. <laughs> no, thanks very much, guys. It's been absolutely great. Um, yeah. Great to chat to you. Yeah, lovely. Thanks for thanks for joining us, Jamie. All the best for Sunday, and say uh, best of luck. Hopefully, we can see you in the in the Prem North next season. Thank you, definitely. Thanks for listening to the Full Ten Yards Podcast. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter at Full Ten Yards, or email the show full10yards at gmail.com.